Welcome to Listen by Jean Ginsberg. This audio experience and podcast is all about social media, digital marketing, entrepreneurship, and interviews with top entrepreneurs in the digital and social space. I'm your host, Jean Ginsberg, digital marketing expert, number one best-selling author, and award-winning entrepreneur. I will be sharing with you strategies, tips, and tactics on how to grow your business and your social media following. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. How's it going? Nice to see and hear everybody on the podcast. Welcome back. And today I have a very special guest, uh, Zachary Shiel. Actually, second time guest, I have to say, going back. Um, uh, Zachary was on, I don't know, about three years ago. I was actually just listening to our previous podcast episode um, just before, like a couple hours before we're recording this now. Um, so I'm very excited to have you back. Lots of changes in in your industry and overall, I'm sure, in your company over the last three years since we last spoke. So, uh, welcome. Thanks, Gene. Great to be back. Yes, very excited. We actually ended up um, reconnecting through an entrepreneur group. I don't know a few months ago, and that's how we. I was like, hey, you should come back on the podcast again, and and we could share an update uh, for our audiences. So. Uh, I guess first, I usually like to ask the question to kind of give our audiences in the case they in the, in the event they didn't listen to the previous episode is tell us about your background. Yeah, so uh, despite living in San Francisco now and being a tech entrepreneur, I, I grew up uh, in Cincinnati, Ohio, so very, very far from Silicon Valley and um, I grew up there, uh, ended up going into the Navy uh, after undergraduate and um, so uh, spent about a decade in the construction industry. Uh, with both the Navy and, and Bechtel Corporation, uh, managing construction projects around the world before I uh, ultimately decided to co-found Rumbix back in 2014. Awesome. So tell us about the company. Yeah, so Rumbix builds a, a mobile-first SaaS platform that, that helps digitize uh, field workflows for construction companies, subcontractors, general contractors, and, and asset owners as well. It, it really captures the first mile of data on job sites uh, so think of anything that that folks in the field were previously doing on paper and Excel uh, captures that data in a structured way uh, that that drives workflows, analytics, and reporting uh, for our customers. And what kinds of projects do you typically work on? Is it like residential, uh, big construction, commercial projects, like uh, or other besides construction projects? Like where where's your sweet spot? Yeah, I mean, fundamentally, the problem that we solve is is eliminating paper and Excel on job sites. So uh, I would say that it, it runs the gamut. But in general, we're, we're deployed on some of the largest construction projects uh, in the United States and North America. So uh, we've been deployed on all the work that's been done on LaGuardia uh, Airport and um, SFO Airport's new Terminal 1 out here. Uh, had the opportunity to be deployed on some, some real cool stadium projects throughout the country. Um, and um, anything and everything under the sun uh, from residential through commercial, industrial, and, and heavy civil as well. Right. So it can be applied for small projects to giant construction projects with like thousands of team members. Yeah. For the most part, we, we focus on the latter. Uh, that's really where you need uh, digital systems in place to handle the sheer volume uh, of, of data that's being run through the system. Uh, but it absolutely can be deployed on small projects as well. Right, right. Wow, that's that's pretty impressive that you guys are doing the, the construction projects in the airports. I mean, Denver Airport has been under construction, I feel like, for 
I don't know. Probably a couple of years now. I, I can't remember the last time I was at an airport anywhere in the U.S. that I didn't see construction. I think O'Hare is not under construction. <laughs> oh, it is. I was. I was. Oh, out it there is. Two weeks ago, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was like, yeah. I'm not sure. They don't have any places to move in O'Hare, and so I don't know. Uh, I, I, when I was like taxiing in, I uh, had a um, layover there, flying back to Cincinnati uh, recently, and yeah, there's a lot of work going out on out of the tarmac out there. So uh, uh, not sure what exactly it is, but uh, uh, I'm always looking out windows for construction uh, cranes and um, and uh, and barriers and stuff like that, and so always notice that sort of stuff. Right. Right. So um, when we last spoke, this was a few years, 2018, so obviously before the pandemic hit. So tell us um, the changes that you've seen in the industry with your business just overall um, since the last, I guess, year and a half or so. Yeah, I mean, the, the industry definitely uh, was impacted large uh, way by COVID. Um, and it really highlighted the need for digital tools and systems uh, to capture real-time data, especially if, if a project manager wasn't able to physically go to a job site because of um, COVID restrictions uh, or, um, or social distancing. There's a lot, you know, less risk if a company is able to have their, their managers be able to see digitally what's going on on the job site. So it's um, um, on the whole, uh, COVID has absolutely accelerated digital transformation within the construction industry. Um, um, during the last year, though, you know, I think it highlighted the need. And we're just starting to see that purchasing of those uh, digital solutions come back because a lot of the last year was spent really focused on the safety of the workers on job sites, uh, managing, um, you know, a high degree of volatility around projects being shut down um, and, and a lot of uncertainty and increased operational expenses around PPE, cleaning job sites and stuff like that. So, um, you know, on a longer and, and midterm time horizon, it absolutely, um, you know, accelerated uh, and is accelerating digital transformation. Uh, and in the near term, it, it really just highlighted the need for tools. And, um, you know, we, we talked to customers who are collecting on paper, you know, self-attestation for hundreds of workers coming on the job site every day. And in the event you get a, a positive COVID test, it makes contact tracing a very manual administrative task. And so that's like a perfect example of a workflow, um, you know, that's ripe for a digital solution. And, you know, one of the things we did in response right at the beginning of COVID was use the platform to build a self check-in for workers to say, hey, uh, I'm not experiencing flu-like symptoms. I haven't um, been in close contact with anyone who's tested positive for COVID or traveled on uh, to any of the countries on the CDC level one list. And so, now, that's a great example of kind of how we were able able to pivot uh, and quickly spin up a new workflow on our platform uh, to address emergent needs that that didn't exist pre-COVID. Yeah, absolutely. And I wanted to ask you, you know, you were talking about, of course, the changes in digital transformation. Where would you say um, is the adoption rate for these new uh, tools and the digital transformation in the construction industry? I as a whole, the construction industry, I, I think, is still very early in its its journey of, of digital transformation. Um, you know, McKinsey studies looking at um, all industries, constructions continuously kind of there towards the bottom uh, alongside like hunting and agriculture, I believe. Um, so we're, we're well into our journey. And I think, you know, looking at the next decade, I think there's going to be more digital transformation than there's been in the last hundred years in the industry, which is is very exciting. But um, it is very much um, still in the early days of, of the journey for the industry. Wow. Okay. 
you know, funny enough, I actually um, had someone on my podcast who does technology in the agriculture space. And to my surprise, he told me that there's actually quite a bit of digital transformation going on in the agriculture space. Um, where to the point where like, he's like, oh, the, you know, the tractors that you see on the farms, like they're actually all equipped with like um, screens and, you know, computers and all of these farmers are like on these screens and computers and checking out, you know, the, the harvest or whatever. And I'm like, I would have never guessed that they're so advanced <laughs> technologically. <laughs> no, it, it, agriculture has been great. Um, um, you know, like a lot of uh, very blue collar um, industries, um, you know, there's just very low hanging fruit when technology does show up. And um, one of the things about agriculture that I think, you know, makes it easier for technology adoption and digital transformation is, um, you know, the fields stay the same, uh, they don't change. Um, and and it's really makes it easy to collect a lot of this data um, and better uh, shed insights. And also it's, it's relatively few stakeholders in, in generating food. When you look at a construction project, you're talking about, you know, 50 to 200 subcontractors, architects and engineers all collaborating. Um, each site has its own unique challenges. And so, um, you know, that that has been and will continue to be a, a barrier and, and challenge for the industry when it comes to uh, digital adoption and transformation. Would you say that's the biggest challenge now is just the, the adoption rate and the digital transformation rate? Well, I think the unique nature of the industry, which is very project based um, and uh, multi stakeholder uh, in terms of how the projects are executed is one challenge because everyone has their own different systems that they're using. And then how do you bring those to a project and, and collaboration and sharing of data? Um, some of the other challenges, I think uh, the industry is really kind of at a turning point. When I started Rumbix back in 2014, there was maybe 30 to 40 construction tech startups. It was it was not a sexy, unsexy industry like it is today. Uh, there's over 3,000, maybe even 4,000 startups now. And so um, there's a ton of cloud native uh, solutions, but there's also a lot of the existing software that companies use to run their uh, internal processes are on-premise on legacy software products. And so, uh, one challenge is really system interoperability uh, between modern cloud-based solutions and on-premise legacy solutions. And I think the other one that's a big barrier is just around uh, change management. Um, the construction industry, people, you know, go into the, the industry to build stuff uh, uh, and fix stuff. And um, um, a byproduct of that is they don't necessarily have as much of the talent in-house uh, that's familiar with how do you evaluate, procure, deploy, train, and then retrain your, your personnel on, on how to use software. And so that, that's a muscle that's just being built over time. And we are seeing, you know, the emergence of construction technologists as a career field within the industry. Uh, we're seeing, you know, Structure Tone, one of the largest general contractors in the U.S., just hired uh, Rick Kahn as their chief innovation officer. And so, um, you are seeing the, the more progressive companies uh, really leaning into building and, and, and hiring the right people internally to support digital transformation. Who is Rick Kahn? Is he someone who's yeah, like yeah, yeah. well-known in the industry? Uh, he, he is, yeah. He came over from Mortensen, and um, okay. he's, he's a, a great guy who's really just uh, always been a very kind of like a futurist within the industry, thinking about how stuff like uh, wearables and AR can be incorporated. Um, he was really big in helping Mortensen sign a contract with uh, Built Robotics, which was doing uh, autonomous heavy civil equipment to essentially say, can we 
dig out and excavate the foundation for wind farms without a human being operating that piece of equipment. And uh, so, yeah, it's just good when you see the the largest firms in, in the U.S. actually recognizing that there's a, a need for a role uh, to uh, own innovation within their own companies, which is, is something that we've only seen in the last few years. Right, right. Well, I I think there, I mean, in my opinion, I'm not an expert in this industry, but it seems like there's a lot of potential innovation in the future for construction, at least in my mind. What do you think is going to be, what are we looking at the next five or 10 years when it comes to modernizing construction because i feel like it's kind of an you know nothing as much has changed in the last in the industry in the last 50 years it's like we're still you know taking nails and and you know two by fours and, and banging them together what do you think is going to be happening in the future when it comes to like automation and um yeah like platforms like that that you said like that you know uh digging out a wind farm um stand without, without having a human there yeah, so I mean, there's there's a lot of factors at play that are going to shape the the solutions that come to the industry. One of them is definitely around a, a skilled craft labor shortage. Um, you know, construction follows GDP growth, and we've got a shortage, depending on who you ask, of a half a million to a million um, open positions today for skilled craft laborers that that are unfilled because we just don't have the talent um, through the the trade and labor union pipelines and, and apprenticeship programs to, to fill those jobs. And so um, robotics uh, and and more offsite prefabrication are, are two ways that are going to, I think, help close that gap. And so where you can, you know, data centers is a good example, highly repetitive. Uh, can we move prefabrication of, of large racks for data centers offsite uh, and be able to deliver those modules um, to the site and, and, and just a, uh, less on-site assembly, more work being done in a controlled environment where you can put in, um, you know, continuous process improvement and lean Six Sigma type uh, processes to maximize, um, you know, the output of the labor in a controlled setting, and then you minimize the amount of uncertainty on the job site. And so I think offsite prefabrication is one thing that you'll see um, take off more in the next five to 10 years, uh, robotics, but I think there's still a large amount of just uh, digitizing paper-based workflows like we're doing at Rumbix. Like it's it's amazing to still find out how much paper there is on job sites. So it's this interesting juxtaposition of, of very kind of frontier technologies uh, that have very relevant use cases in the construction industry, like robotic drywall finishers um, with um, stuff that other industries you know probably solved 10, 15, 20 years ago in terms of just digitizing um, and sharing data better uh, across stakeholders on project delivery. Yeah, uh, you mentioned something interesting that I kind of caught my um, my ear is you were talking about prefabrication offsite. Um, I'm actually building a house, and what's one of the things that we're we're doing is, is prefabrication offsite. So challenges that we have at our house, the, the house that we're building, is that we're building it in Leadville, Colorado, which is at ten thousand feet, and so the the uh, buildings time that we have is about six months during the other six months there's really not much can't really do much construction during you know when there's like six feet of snow on the ground and so um, we decided to build a house made out of shipping containers which is kind of in itself is a prefabrication partially off-site because the shipping containers need to be you know they already exist and they need to be fabricated so uh, that would save us a lot of time and instead of having like someone on site actually building you know a constrictional build from scratch so um, so yeah, I can kind of see that being the case. Um, I mean, for us, it was a challenge because of the 
building time, you know, only the six months that we have. But I'm sure that's going to be a faster build right in the future, whether you're using shipping containers or just having some of the stuff done offsite and prefabricated and then shipped to the job site. And that way you're not like doing everything from scratch in the beginning. Uh, absolutely. There, there's a ton of kind of global factors driving this need. I mean, you've got um, <clears throat> 3D printing companies that are looking at, can we 3D print buildings faster um, than, than uh, traditional methods? And so, you know, a lot of countries have an emerging middle class where you can actually 3D print a, a lot more cost effective, you know, 1500 square foot house uh, for a family to live in. Um, you know, especially here in, in California with all the wildfires we've been having, there's been, um, you know, hundreds and thousands of people displaced and entire towns burnt down. So you've got companies like Connect Homes that are actually using uh, more of a shipping container uh, sized uh, um, uh, prefabricated offsite assembled um, components to um, be able to rapidly spin up uh, housing for stuff like disaster relief, for example, both here uh, domestically and, and internationally as well. And so I think there's going to be a variety of different uh, solutions that come to the table to, to help uh, address everything from homelessness to disaster recovery to just a high-end luxury building at, at a more affordable price point. Right, right, right. Um, so we talked a little bit about um, what the future holds for the industry, but what about you guys? What are some of our initiatives that you guys are working on at Rubix? Yeah, so one of the things uh, that we're real excited about is is really, you know, we've helped companies tackle uh, the challenge of just collecting good structured data, uh, which is kind of like, you know, the, the first step in digitization. And then what that unlocks is the ability to slice and dice and analyze that, that data for insights to help improve performance and productivity. And so uh, we've got a whole bunch of analytics products uh, that we're building right now that'll be released over the course of the next, uh, next year. And, and, um, you know, one of the things, certainly from my experience in the construction industry is, you know, when you were finishing up a job site, um, the focus was on, you know, getting all the deliverables that you needed to the owner, but then getting ready for the next project. And so there was very little time spent analyzing the data to understand what we might want to change in the planning, bidding, pre-construction process moving forward. And so um, by capturing structured data at the onset when it's generated in the field, uh, that gives us the ability to automate the generation of a lot of those insights for our customers. So that's something we're we're very excited about, hey, you've got these workflows digitized now. Um, can we help you draw insight out of them? Right. Uh, because the volume of data on, on these projects is massive. Oh, my God. I'm so sure. Yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy how much data you probably have on a construction project in, in an airport, right? I mean, and then how, what do you do with that data, right? That's the, that's the $64 billion question. I think everyone's always like, yes, we have the data. We're collecting the data. But then, you know, how do you actually visualize or use the data to, yeah, to gain insights or to improve on things in the future. So that's fantastic. Um, cool. Well, last question I always like to ask, kind of a, kind of a wild card question. And I know we talked about what you think is the industry going to be happening, you know, going to be happening in the industry, but what is your prediction for the industry? And that could be your specific industry. I know maybe something that we haven't discussed or just you know, it could be self-driving cars, terraforming Mars, robots running around. <laughs> I, I mean, you, you kind of laugh, but uh, NASA actually has a 3D printed habitat challenge uh, that they've been sponsoring for, you know, thinking about how do we begin construction on on Mars or the moon or, or other, other planets. And so um, that, that's not anytime in the next 10 years, um, I don't think. Uh, but I, I really think the 2020s is, is going to be, 
the most significant period of digital transformation in the construction industry. I think um, it, it's no longer, um, you know, digital transformation and using technology is, is, is no longer a novelty. It's table stakes. And I think increasingly, like, you won't be able to competitively bid, win, or execute work without having modern technology solutions as, as part of your company's operations. And so, you know, you know, the, the common, you know, A16 quote, software is eating the world, like construction companies are turning into technology companies inside, like, um, and, and they will continue to. And, you know, we talked about some of the macro factors um, that are forcing that transformation. Um, and it's exciting. Uh, I think there's no way to, to avoid it. And um, um, I think the, the industry is also skewing a lot uh, younger in terms of demographics. Um, a lot of the folks that didn't retire in, in 2008, 9, 10 are finally exiting the industry. And you're seeing a significant shift of that median age in the industry um, to a much, much younger median age. And um, it's, it's a lot more digital natives, uh, people that have grown up around software and mobile devices. And so I'm really, really excited about the, uh, the next decade ahead in the construction industry and, and what it's going to look like come 2030. Yeah, that's, I'm excited too. And I'm also pretty excited about what a house would look like on Mars. I'm actually looking forward to it <laughs> um, I mean, we are looking to terraform. So there, we got to have places to live, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, NASA 3D printed habitat is uh, the name of the um, um uh, it was a challenge that they had a, a bunch of teams compete for. And um, I think there's multiple iterations of it if anyone's interested in uh, doing some more research. But we're already thinking about how do we build an outer space. Right. Actually, I was actually reading about something a couple of months ago. It wasn't a in-house for, um, for Mars, but it was like a house that they built for astronauts as a test to see what would it be like for them to spend a year in this house this like construction thing that they would their abode i guess that would be traveling to mars so <laughs> so it's like a test on earth now and like i don't think it was 3d printed but it was like you know yeah basically what a spaceship would look like if you were to travel in mars and they're testing it out to see like how would these astronauts do from like a psychological physical perspective in just living in this one place for like a year Wow, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah, so I am curious about that. I hope they don't go berserk. I know I would. <laughs> but I guess that's why they're astronauts, right? And I'm not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, awesome. Well, thanks so much for being here. This was a great conversation. Always uh, great to have you back on the show. Uh, Zachary Scheel, it's Rumbix. I mispronounced it last time, but it's Rumbix. <laughs> so uh, thanks so much for being here. And I really love learning about, well, it's all this whole podcast is about technology and, and, and every aspect of of the world, right? So we're talking about agricultural technology and construction technology. So I love learning all about that kind of stuff and what's what's new and what's cooking. So thanks so much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. Great to uh, reconnect and uh, looking forward to uh, listening to the podcast when it's launched. Yeah, absolutely.